Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. Dear friends, I greet you this morning in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. You may have noticed that today is a special day in the life of our community. In just a few minutes after the sermon, we will turn our attention to the font and celebrate the baptism of Gwendolyn May Georgina. I've had the pleasure of getting to know Gwendolyn and her parents, Theo and Shira, over the past few months, and I've especially enjoyed the chance to talk with them about the significance of Christian baptism. Theo and Shira, I'm so grateful that you felt at home in our community and that you've made the decision to have Gwendolyn baptized. Because as we discussed and as the baptismal liturgy proclaims in baptism, we welcome Gwendolyn into the household of God, we celebrate her gift of the Holy Spirit, and we give thanks that she has been raised to new life in Christ. Baptism is the beginning of our life of discipleship. We'll spend our whole lives figuring out what it means to follow Christ. But every time we renew our baptismal covenant, as we'll all do today, we're called back to first principles. And we remember the faith and the type of life that Christ has called us to. In today's gospel, we also learn something about what it means to follow Christ what it means to be a disciple in the story of Martha and Mary. It's a short story, and many of you, I'm sure, are quite familiar with it. Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem when they come to the house of a woman named Martha. Martha welcomes Jesus into her home and quickly begins making preparations. We can assume that she is preparing a meal for Jesus and his disciples, and perhaps preparing a place for them to sleep before they carry on with their journey. But Martha gets frustrated when she notices that her sister Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he has to say. The Gospel tells us that Martha was distracted by her many tasks and probably frustrated that Mary wasn't offering any assistance. And so she goes to Jesus and says, "Lord." Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus responds by saying, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is only need of one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I've read this passage in enough churches over the years to know what at least some of you are thinking right now. Someone has to make the meal, right? Someone has to set the table, clean the dishes, make the bed, right? If we extend this lesson to the church, we could say, someone has to make the coffee, prepare the altar, 
balance the budget, edit the website, print the newsletter. Someone has to volunteer to be a warden, to be a team lead, to run or serve at the resting center. Someone has to volunteer to take minutes to send that email. It's great that Mary gets to sit at the feet of the Lord and listen, but come on, Jesus, without Martha, no one gets fed. Without Martha, nothing gets done. The church runs on Martha. Without Martha, the whole thing falls apart. I think what might frustrate some of us about this passage is that it seems like Luke is setting up a conflict between being and doing. We often assume that Mary is the embodiment of being, being in the moment, being in the presence of God, taking the time to stop, slow down, and listen to the voice of Jesus. And we assume that Martha is the embodiment of doing, of service, of hospitality, of duty, of doing what needs to get done. And it can seem to us, when we read this passage, like Luke is downplaying the importance of doing. And that can rub us the wrong way because we all know that discipleship involves both being and doing. But I don't think that's quite what Luke is suggesting. And so I want to offer a different way of reading this familiar story. Last week, we heard the story of the Good Samaritan, which Lynn unpacked for us so wonderfully. And it's no surprise that we're hearing the story of Martha and Mary today, because Luke in the Gospel puts these stories right next to each other. In fact, Luke intends for us to read the story of the Good Samaritan alongside the story of Martha and Mary. Because as one scholar has written, the story of Martha and Mary stands in a complementary relationship with the story of the Good Samaritan. And it gains much of its meaning from the relationship between these two stories. We only appreciate the full meaning of the story of Martha and Mary when we consider it alongside the story of the Good Samaritan. And I think we learn at least three things from putting these two stories in a creative dialogue with one another. For one thing, looking at these two stories together can help us to understand better the relationship between being and doing. If we read the Martha and Mary story in isolation, we could be tempted into thinking that Luke is setting up a conflict between being and doing. But when we read these stories together, we see that Luke's message is a bit more nuanced than that. The Good Samaritan story ends with Jesus telling his audience, go and do likewise. Go and do for others what the Good Samaritan did for the man who was left for dead. Go and perform unexpected acts of mercy. Jesus tells his audience that what he requires of his disciples is an active intentional love of neighbor. Far from downplaying the significance of doing, Luke, through the story of the Good Samaritan, shows just how important service, hospitality, and duty are to the life of faith. But the Martha and Mary story reminds us that there is more to the life of faith than that. 
when Mary sat down at the feet of Jesus, listening to what Jesus had to say, you might realize that she was violating the clear and rigid social norms of her day. And by violating these norms, she risked bringing shame upon herself and her family. In first century Judea and elsewhere in the Greco-Roman world, it was men who had the privilege of sitting at the feet of a renowned teacher. Women, as Martha understood, were expected to prepare the meal, set the table, clear the dishes so that the men could engage in more intellectual pursuits. By sitting at the feet of Jesus, Mary was ignoring the gender norms of her day, risking the consequences, all because she wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. She was willing to risk the consequences of violating social norms for the sake of being in the presence of Jesus. When Jesus arrived, Mary knew that the proper response was to stop, to sit, and to listen, and she was willing to do that even though the pressures of society would have been pushing her in the exact opposite direction. So the first thing we learn from putting these two stories side by side is that discipleship involves both being and doing. Sometimes we are called to action. Sometimes we are called to rest in the presence of God. Sometimes we are called to do. Sometimes we are called to be. And because it's not always easy to strike the proper balance between being and doing, both stories point to the importance of discernment. Both Mary and the Good Samaritan were attentive to their contexts, and they made decisions based on what that context required. For the Good Samaritan, faithfulness was an act of mercy. For Mary, it was listening to and inwardly digesting the words of Jesus, no matter the social, social cost. And true discipleship involves both. The second thing we learn from putting these two stories together is closely related. In our liturgies, we confess the words of an ancient creed called the Shema. And it goes, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and the great commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The words of this creed come from the Old Testament books of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and we actually find them in the story of the Good Samaritan. When the lawyer asks Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life, Jesus answers his question with another question. What is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. These two stories, the story of the Good Samaritan and the story of Martha and Mary are intended to show what these two commandments look like, to show what it looks like to love God and to love your neighbor. In fact, the story of the Good Samaritan is explicitly presented as an answer to the question, who is my neighbor? It may be less obvious in the case of today's gospel, but as one scholar has written, the story of Mary and Martha highlights the overriding importance of devotion to the Lord's word as an expression 
of one's love for God. For Luke, these two stories embody what it looks like to embrace the Shema as a way of life. These two stories embody what it looks like to love God and to love our neighbor. Loving our neighbor involves risking life and limb to serve those in need, despite any differences of race, religion, gender, sexual orientation, it doesn't matter. The story of the Good Samaritan identifies love as neighbor, love of neighbor with care for others, full stop. And love of God involves careful attention to the words of Jesus. It involves sitting and resting in the presence of God, prayer, scripture, worship, contemplation. These are all ways we cultivate and express our love for God. We run into trouble as churches and as Christians when we try to take one half of the Shema without the other. When we try to love our neighbor without cultivating a love of God, or when we try to cultivate a love of God without taking seriously the command to love our neighbor. By putting these two stories together, by putting them side by side, Luke is suggesting that for a disciple, love of God and love of neighbor are two sides of the same coin. And now third and finally, Luke tells us something about Jesus and about the life of faith when he offers a Samaritan and a woman as models of true discipleship. It would have been a surprise and a scandal to his audience for Jesus to elevate Mary and the Good Samaritan as examples to be emulated. As one scholar has written, the social codes and boundaries of Jesus' day were clear and inflexible. A Samaritan would not be considered a model of neighborliness, and a woman would not sit with men around the feet of a teacher. So by subverting the expectations of his audience, Jesus exposes the bias and injustice at the heart of his society's racial attitudes and gender norms. For Christians today, if we are to love God and love our neighbor, we too must subvert, expose, and reject the biases and injustices that continue to plague our own society. We must replace the unjust norms of our society with the ethics and norms of the kingdom of God, where all, without exception, are invited to recline at God's table where all, without exception, are invited to share equally in God's bounty. So as we prepare to celebrate Gwendolyn's new life in Christ this morning, her gift of the Holy Spirit and her entrance into God's household, let us remember the calling that God has placed on all of our lives. Let us remember our commitment to love God and love our neighbor, which is the core of our baptismal faith. Let us learn the lessons of both Mary and the Good Samaritan, remembering that being and doing, loving God and loving our neighbor are really just two sides of the same coin, two components of a single call to discipleship. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ Church Cathedral. Audio editing and original theme by Eduardo Farias. 
we hope you join us again soon. Have a blessed day.